also this part, because as providers, we have to do continuing medical education credits. So that should be a a requirement. Um, I have to take, um, I think it's ethics and other classes, but let's do cultural and competency as part of a requirement. Hey, what's up? This is Corey Dion Lewis, clinical health coach and host of the Healthy Project podcast. Now, the research shows that social determinants can have a greater impact on your health more than healthcare or lifestyle choices. The purpose of this podcast is to discuss how to improve health and reduce health inequity by speaking to healthcare professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast, give it a review, or you can also make a donation to The Healthy Project using the link in the description. It takes 30 seconds and it's super easy. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Now let's get started. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Healthy Project Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Dion Lewis. Um, I have an, an exciting guest um, on today. We have uh, Dr. Uh, Bayo Curry Winchell. I'm super excited to get into this conversation. And I was just telling her a little bit about uh, how I stumbled upon her her TEDx, which really spoke to me because of you know what um, what I do. So, uh, Doctor Curry uh, Winchell, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I am excited to talk about this important topic and to share information. So, um, I'm just excited to to discuss and let's amplify this message. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, before we get into the the, the real cons- uh, conversation, uh, how about you tell the people that are listening uh, a little bit about yourself and what gets you up in the morning? Well, um, I would say, you know, there's so many different pieces when I think of Dr. Bio Curry Winchell. And so um, important pieces, I go by Dr. BCW, which also stands for Beyond Clinical Walls. And when you mention Corey, what gets me up in the morning? It's really delivering healthcare in a non-traditional way. I love providing the pieces of healthcare in new and innovative ways and finding ways to highlight marginalized communities and people of color and sharing the information that I've been privileged to, to get to know and put it forward. And so my journey has been so just really dynamic. So I am a mom. I like to talk about that for of two little girls and a wife and a practicing physician, as well as a medical director for several hospital systems. And so through that work, I've been able to highlight health inequities and disparities because my passion truly is that. And so um, when I think about how I was taught, of course, within healthcare to do no harm, this is my way of giving back in any way that I can. And another piece that I think is important when you think about what drives Dr. BCW, um, another component I always have to talk about is my dad. Um, he just recently passed away, but was a force to be reckoned with. A 99-year-old African-American man who was a World War II Korean and Vietnam War veteran. A man that really implemented <laughs> and and showcase what it was to give back in any way that you can. And that's how I grew up and that's how I live my life. So that's a little bit about <laughs> my, 
my journey and it truly is a part of what I do every single day. Yes. And you spoke about your father in the TEDx uh, speech, uh, and I'll make sure I have that linked in the description of this episode. And, and it leads to my my first initial question that I have for you is healthcare mistrust. Should we be looking at this as a health disparity or a public health concern? We should, because it is a piece, it's a core of why there is this disproportionately higher rate of disease, of preventable diseases, of health outcomes. It's a part of it. And it should be at the same level of any sort of public policy because it's instrumental to healthcare. And when we look at the historical mistrust and the ongoing mistrust, that is the way we are going to be able to make progress. We have to acknowledge first in order to make steps moving forward. Yeah. And I feel like that's the piece that I feel like's missing is the acknowledging that there is that mistrust. We all know, we, we know the history of how people of color are treated in healthcare. It's, it's there. You can't deny it. But there's almost this feeling of, in a way, like, hey, that was the past. This is not how it is now. But there's research to show that it is still kind of, it is still there. That is correct. Um, when you look at how certain diseases tend to be penned or labeled as a specific color of diseases, such as, oh, diabetes, often labeled as a problem of uh, of black uh, black people. And that is such a um, an important example of how we are labeling race and associating it with diseases. And so it was really important to me to kind of take it from the like anatomical level that our organs are the same. So why are we practicing medicine in a way that looks at the color of our skin? And we know race is a social construct. It has nothing to do with how your organs work, how you process actual medications and so forth. And so when we look at that, we define ethnicity versus genetics versus race. And so when you look at that, that is how you really start to build trust because once you can inform yourself and know the differences, then you're able to take a step back and look at not only historical mistrust, but what we are doing now still and that continues to play in every element of healthcare. Yeah, and I feel like that mistrust is is passed down it, because I I can say that I don't feel like I've ever been mistreated within the healthcare system, but I will tell you when the pandemic happened and healthcare providers or and professionals were getting the vaccine and it was offered to me, I immediately had this fear. Even knowing the research and feel, having a trust in that, there was this part of me that was like, And that's so important, you know, and that's why in my TED talk, I talk about how my dad, you know, really was like, and those were his words. He was like, I'm not getting that. And that kind of message that we all hear through our grandparents, our parents, you know, sharing the mistrust that they have. And so it's, it's multi, it's, 
it, there's, it's multifaceted. There's so many different areas to it. Number one, of course, we talk about acknowledging it. Number two, asking why there's mistrust. Because when you have this kind of historical mistrust that's happening, until you ask people, why is it that you are concerned about this versus talking at them saying, you need to get this, you should have that. When you ask the why, that is a gift of understanding, acknowledgement, and movement forward. And and to your point, you know, so many of my patients were like, I'm not going to get that. Why should I? And the way the message was put forward, it wasn't in a way where I'd like to ask questions about it. It was, no, you need to get this. And, and, And that message has to change in all areas, whether it's COVID, any disease process, we have to do better. No, absolutely. What what I what I liked about your talk, you said um, when your solution or one of your solutions for mistrust was representation, which I I totally understand and I agree. And but for someone like myself, I live in the Midwest. We're not in Iowa. Not, <laughs> I'm not seeing a lot of uh, doctor, you know, uh, Curry Winchell's around that I can just go and get my service, you know, and be my primary care provider. But we do have providers that are that are white that want to be allies that want to to know more and do better so how can those providers who do want to support people of color um what what are the things that they can do to be better at supporting i think there's so many different things but a couple of really important parts are number one educating and informing yourself about the mistrust. Because once you do that, you've got that blueprint of understanding and then listening. And I had shared earlier, asking why your patient has mistrust. That is so important. Instead of, um, you know, assumptions or feeling like this person doesn't want to be compliant, which is a word that we often use, Mm -hmm. ask why. Because that is a way to kind of have a baseline, a threshold of building trust, because now you have taken the time to get to know your patient in a way that they feel like you actually care about them. And so if you are, you know, a provider that's not of color, starting there is so important. And also thinking about those unconscious and implicit biases that you may have. And that starts from just, you know, everyone has them, but also thinking about some of the information you have learned throughout your journey in healthcare. And so we are taught that race-based medicine in certain elements like hypertension is okay. And There have been so many studies that show it's not, it's actually harmful. So I would say, you know, those physicians that aren't of color, think about what you're doing right now and look and see if it's evidence-based. And even if you see some sources that seem like it, taking a look back and saying, hmm, anatomically, kidneys are the same. Race is a social construct. 
Why am I giving a medication for black patients only? Why is it that we say hypertension and diabetes are at a higher risk for black patients versus looking at ethnicity or culture or social determinants of health? And so all of those things are really wrapped into a package of education and informing yourself and also going against the grain and thinking about Am I doing the right thing right now? And, and, and I think that is a huge way that you can really deliver healthcare in the way that it should be delivered. No, that, that is, that's a great, great response. And I, I feel like right now as healthcare is, is healthcare is constantly evolving, right? Like it's always going forward. Uh, what I feel like gets people stuck is what you kind of spoke about is that cultural competence and awareness. And when you're in, when you're in it and people are not, well, first of all, let me ask this question to you. Cause I'm really curious going through, you know, your, your training was cultural competence and awareness. Was that a part of that? Like, or was it just not something that was thought of? I would say, now? I would say it's pretty, it was pretty superficial. It was not delved into as deep as it needed to be. It was Mm -hmm. sometimes sprinkled in in certain things, but it wasn't given the, um, the level that it should be. Like when we talk about public policy and, and race and, and different types of, uh, things that are impacting healthcare and finding why we are moving forward in the way we are. It's because we're not amplifying it to the level that it should be. That curriculum of cultural diversity and and really understanding people's background needs to be just as important as biochemistry, pathology, because all of those things are together. And so it wasn't. And we, you know, some institutions have really increased their their curriculum in it, but more needs to be done. And it's not just, oh, we're going to give you a semester of it. It needs to be all, it needs to be blended in throughout your entire curriculum. And then also this part, because as providers, we have to do continuing medical education credits. So that should be a, a requirement. Um, I have to take, um, I think it's ethics and other classes, but let's do cultural and yeah. competency as part of a requirement to remain board certified. I think those things are, are, are solutions or ways to kind of continue to inform um, the importance of this topic. Absolutely. I I feel like cultural competence and trust, they go hand in hand. Like if you don't understand your patients, they can't trust you or they're not going to, you know, so building that trust is a part of, of, of all of it. No, that's, that's great. So like I said before, I, I don't know many black providers. And when I, when I do, I get so excited. I, I have a friend of mine that's uh, uh, his first year, and I'm so super excited for him. So when I see, honestly, when I, when I see or I speak with black providers, I just look at you guys as superheroes. I mean, I really do, oh you know, because, but so you know, can you tell me a little bit about your experience, not only being a black provider, but a black female provider, which is a whole different challenge, right? Like it's a, that's a whole different level of, 
of challenge. Um, can you tell me about that? Were there insecurities? Were what were some of your proudest moments? What what got you to where you started to where you're at now? So um this journey has been um, amazing with lots of bumps and <laughs> in the road, but I can tell you, I love what I get to do. I love being a physician. It brings me so much joy to see patients and just try to help them, especially during their most you know, vulnerable times. And my journey really involved people helping me. And I think that's something that we have to think about when we talk about representation and how often people of color do not have that network system to be able to kind of help them through. And I had to go out and find it, <laughs> you know, because it's hard. How do you take you know, the MCATs, which is that preliminary test to even get into medical school? How do you apply for student loans? How do you find people to shadow? Because you need clinical hours to be able to, to put that on your application. Mm, and so mm-hmm. these are things that we need to invest in for black and brown um, students so they can get there because that um, that network or that umbrella isn't always there for us. And so I think that's an important piece that we have to look at. And so um, I was, I'm grateful, you know, with that drive and persistence of finding different people, asking for help, and then getting that help, which is also another, you know, piece that I'm so lucky that I had people help navigate. And so um being a black medical student just in general, that was very interesting, um, especially when you looked around and nobody else looked like you and no one um, had the same experiences or the challenges that you had faced. And then for me personally, I can say, because often people ask me, when did this drive of health equity start and advocacy? And I'm like, this started way. <laughs> As I was learning things, I kept thinking, well, why are we doing that for Black patients? I don't understand that. And so my personal journey has been asking these questions, getting having people look at me saying, well, why are you questioning that? That's the way we do it. And um, I've been one to kind of push that needle. <laughs> <laughs> in a way where I I think one of the best compliments someone told me was in a disarming way where I come from a level of curiosity and I ask, why are we doing these things? And if that answer doesn't seem right to me, I push a little bit more and I dig, but I always have my data and everything else to, to support it. And so it was a rough um, journey, but I didn't let it stop me. And I think that's one thing that we have to think about is, you know, black and brown students, we are pushing through so many different hurdles and challenges to get through. And as from a female perspective, and then I'll get into that intersectionality part, you know, people thinking that I would say, oh, I'm, you know, studying to become a doctor. And they would say, oh, you're, you're studying to be, and they would use different professions. And again, I want to say, I, my hat, I tip my hat off to all healthcare professionals, but they weren't acknowledging the one that I was going for as a physician. And it really made me realize that they didn't hear me. They didn't see me because again, that landscape, we don't see people that look like us. So that imagery wasn't even there for them to even comprehend that I'm, I'm going, I'm studying to become a doctor. And so, um, I share my TEDx talk, you know, often, and it still happens. I'll go in and see patients and I'll say my name. Hi, I'm Dr. Curry Winchell. And, 
they they think I'm a different healthcare professional, not mm. their physician. Um, I've had people refuse to see me as their physician. I've also had this ongoing challenge, which I know several female uh, physicians have, and then of course black females or uh, physicians of color of calling me doctor. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's an automatic where. There's this thought that you can just say bio without even asking. And again, I come from that place. Ask me. Let's have a conversation. And if I share it, then please acknowledge that. And it's not about, because I've also had people say, oh, is that boastful? No, it's something I worked for. It's something that Mm -hmm. is a part of me. And it's a respect that... You know, I would give to somebody else as well. And that's why in my talk, I I was very intentional about my words when I said, it might seem trivial that I get untitled because I wanted to speak <laughs> to yeah. everyone, but also highlight, you know, women and women of color, that it's something that is happening to us every day. And so that has been really, you know, a part of my journey as well as advocating um, for what is a part of my delivery of healthcare as a physician. I am a doctor and I'm proud to be a doctor. And when you said, What is one of your most proudest moments? I have a couple. The first one I have to say is, you know, I am so proud of my dad for being Mm. the man he was and instilling in me. He always said, bio, the world is bigger than you. What can you do each day to give back? And so I am proud Mm. that he gave that gift to me in order to put it forward in everything that I do. And I am so proud to help other women of color become physicians, become healthcare professionals in any way that I can. I love being a mentor, a sponsor, anybody that can help bring that forward. And, you know, lastly, as a health advocate, my goal is to really amplify the importance of equitable healthcare. And, and reducing healthcare inequities and disparities and using different ways to reach people. And that's just my jam. I, I really enjoy it. And um, those are just some of the things. Oh, and I can't leave out. Of course, I love my children and everybody else. But <laughs> I love them. And, and um, I also say, you know, my family, um, they have been so supportive. And I am, I'm very grateful for that. So as you know, I created this series, Beyond Clinical Walls, and yeah. it's a fruit series that my family, my husband helps me with. And um, we put out these little mini clips of just healthcare topics, you know, highlighting information that's digestible, that speaks to marginalized communities, underserved, people of color. I debunk myths associated with certain mm. diagnoses. And um, it's brought me joy just to put it out there. So that was that's, a lot. There's awful. a lot. <laughs> no, that, I, I love it. And you can just you can just tell just listening to you speak about um, this topic that this is real for you. This is just yeah. not this is just not someone hopping on a trend as we know the past couple of years. Diversity, equity, health equity, inclusion. It is like it is the flavor of the week kind of a thing. And there are people that are about that life and there are people that are 
about getting the paycheck from that life, if you know, if you know what I mean. But you can definitely tell this has been a lifelong journey for you. Well, thank you. And, you know, and this makes me think of, you know, when you talk about who is invested, who is, as my dad likes to say, put your money where your mouth is. I think that's what he said. I'm terrible (laughs) with saying. So, um, (laughs) you know, that's, that's, that's the goal. Like, what are you doing to put the work forward? What are you doing for communities? How are you helping them where they need to be? And we always hear this saying, reach people where they are. Well, if you want to do that, you need to ask, where are they? Like yeah. that is wh- how you reach people. And so I think that's something that we have to think about. And, you know, when you were speaking about the COVID, um, you know, the shot and so forth, I remember, of course, when the pandemic started, I thought to myself, you know, how can I help people in a way that may help them, you know, answer their questions? And so myself and a couple of other doctors, we were able to get faith leaders, community leaders, trusted messengers together and share the health information that we know to them. They, in turn, delivered it to their congregations, their communities, different different uh, organizations. And that led to an invitation for us to speak because they were the delivery. And that's the mm, thing. They found right. out what were the questions. And so then we spoke to them and then we did health fairs, vaccine clinics, and we did it different. Number one, you didn't have to have a vehicle to get there. You could walk up and that was important. Another piece was we had where you could just come and ask a question. You had, there was no where you had to walk up and get something. You didn't have to get anything. You could just come and ask a question. So those are ways that, you know, when we talk about delivering (laughs) equitable (laughs) health access, trust, do it and 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 but think of ways that are intentional and keep asking why because that is a gift that will deliver the opportunity to reduce those inequities and disparities yes so, so there's there's two things i got from this conversation that are are so simple when when you say it it's like why why aren't more people doing this? And it's just meeting people where they're at and asking them where they're at. Where are you in this journey? And then asking why. Two diff- two told two things that everybody can do that are so simple. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it goes back to when you ask the question, you know, what can providers that are not of color do? What can community leaders, what can everyone do? Whether you're in the clinic whether you're at a community fair, whether you're just having a conversation with someone, ask why. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Ask them where they are, what they need, because that's the fundamental piece to get to change. Right, right. That's great. Uh, so my, my last question here, um, not only are you a doctor at the healthcare system, you're, you're a doctor at home. Yes, <laughs> So are you one of those moms when their child is sick? <laughs> one of those healthcare moms? My, child is sick. And are you the ain't no wrong with you? Yeah. Yes, I am. I'm like, you are okay. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need a band-aid. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, when it comes to my little ones, um, they'll say, Oh, well, my mom says I'm okay. As like like when they fall down, I'm like, 
get up. You're okay. Yeah. You're okay. Is, it, is anything coming out of your you know, skin? Are you bleeding? Oh, if you're bleeding, it's not a lot. We're okay. We're okay. Yeah. <laughs> so my, my wife is a nurse. My daughter, this was nice. about a month ago. She had a fever. It was like 101, whatever. And my daughter's like, oh, I have a fever. And my wife is like, a fever's good. You'll be fine. Yeah, you you're all right. Water. And she's like, what? That's exactly the same in my household. I think my little ones know there's a threshold for blood. Like, come on. If it's a tiny little bit where I have to like squint, which my six-year-old be like, it's right here, mama. It's right here. (laughs) JJ, if I can't see it, if it's not like gushing, we're okay. So yeah, we have similar (laughs) households. Uh, I'm like, you're fine. You're fine. That is so that is so funny to me. <laughs> I think it's like universal in healthcare households where we're just like, mm, no, you're yeah. Yeah. Well, you see so much, right? You see so much, you're like, this ain't nothing compared to what I saw before. Like you're walking off. Like <laughs> like, are you sure, babe? I'm like, I'm sure. Like, and yeah. And he's not questioning me, but he's like, because it's, you know, but now it's it's still every time he's like, okay, okay. And I'm like, see, but then it, when I am wrong, you know, because sometimes things progress and you're like, oh, yeah. And then you feel bad. <laughs> and my um, six-year-old or my eight-year-old be like, see, I told you, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the one time I was wrong. Okay. I got you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, I'm sorry about that. I'm, I'm doing the best I can. Well, one scene I love um, my eight-year-old as uh, she is just, um, both are so smart, but my eight-year-old has these amazing um, ways of commenting on certain things. So I, I'll say, you know, Jordan, um, give me a break. Like if I forget something like a theme for school, because they have all of these different themes that you have to remember Disney day. I, I, it's so hard right. to remember. And um, I'll say, Jordan, give me a break. And she's like, you've been asking for a lot of those lately. <laughs> I'm like, I know. <laughs> and so there I have, to, I have to admit it and say, you're right, kid. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Dr. Curry Winchell, thank you so much for this, this great conversation is being on the podcast with me today. Uh, for those that are listening that want to know more about you, want to learn more about what you're doing, um, and just connect with you, where can they find you? Well, I am on all social media. Um, primarily, um, TikTok is actually so much fun for me. So TikTok, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram. I'm also on Twitter. Um, but I would say TikTok and uh, Instagram and LinkedIn are the top three for me to connect, as well as I have a website. Um, and it's drbcw.com. Uh, and all of the information there is free. There is, there's healthcare videos, um, under beyond clinical walls and just different, um, articles that I've written for different publications that are all free that talk about different topics. So I also have a YouTube, uh, uh, series as well, the beyond clinical walls. So you can find me there, um, through beyond at beyond clinical walls and find free health information. Awesome. Well, again, and I'll make sure I link all those in the, in the, the description of the episode um, so everybody can have an easy way of getting those as well. Um, again, thank you so much for your time. Uh, and everyone, thank you for listening to the Healthy Project Podcast. I'll holler at you next time. <laughs> <laughs>